Hi there. Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today, as we kick off the new year, we are blessed to have an interesting expert who goes against the grain and is calling out the conventional wisdom on the pandemic and the presidential election. He's William Briggs, statistician, author, and all-around learned guy who calls BS on the liberal experts. Well, William, it's great to have you here as our first guest for 2021. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So I was really interested on your website. You call yourself a statistician to the stars. That's kind of that's a that's an unusual title. So before we get going here, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, that's it. Uh, I started off doing cryptography for the Air Force and then uh, meteorology, climatology and got interested in uh, the forecasts that were used to scare the pants off of everybody. <laughs> And from that, moved into statistics, and uh, now I look at and investigate uh, experts' models and show how poor and over-certain and hubristic they are. That's basically my research these days, okay. including the stuff we're seeing being foisted upon us all over the globe with these uh, 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 coronavirus models. Yeah, yeah. So you're a very useful guy. You like to tell the truth, and you're actually an expert. And you're refuting a lot of these so-called experts. So that's uh, it's uh, and that's why we've got you on. It's 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 great to have you on. And before we start talking about your book and and uh, and your thoughts on the pandemic, let's talk a little bit about the election. So just tell us about the work you did on behalf of the election lawsuits and uh, give us your opinion on how likely it is that Donald Trump really did win the election. Oh, I think it's certain that he won the election. Uh, the, the, but whether we can convince people in the remaining hours left to us, that's something else. I did a lot of work uh, in various forms, the most important of which, which I did for Sidney Powell, is looking at uh, Matt Brainerd's data. So what they did was they called up people in these disputed states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and so forth, and asked, did you request a absentee ballot yes or no very simple question and if they did uh say yes to that they said did you send the absentee ballot back now all of these were people who were registered as by the states themselves as having received those ballots but a large number of uh, ballots were not registered as being returned in other words these were missing votes and the vote totals that were missing were into the tens of thousands, 30,000, 40,000 more uh, that I estimated uh, based on this survey data, which was more than enough to overcome uh, the differences, the, the Biden-Trump differences in states like Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and so forth. So this is very important. Uh, it seems that because of the, the corona doom panic, uh, they were really pushing early on these mail-in and absentee ballots, and they were used to a very large extent uh, to pump up the vote totals after Election Day. Now, everybody remembers during uh, the election night, it looked like Trump had won, as he had done in 2016. But then the vote counting was stopped in these states, mysteriously, for all kinds of reasons. And uh, in the morning and in the wee hours of the morning, big giant data dumps for Biden happened, uh, mostly coming from these so-called absentee mail-in and mail-in ballots. And so we did all kind of work looking at these things, looking at how these were uh, unusual, unprecedented, statistically impossible, this sort of thing. 
all that has been published. Some of it's been used in the lawsuits that uh, Sydney uh, has filed and other people have filed. Uh, some have met more success than others, but uh, that's just the nature of the legal process. And today, of course, is the day we see if any of that work uh, pays off. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for doing it. And, uh, you know, you talk about the amount of votes that you feel are fraudulent. And it's in, in because Trump didn't lose by all that much. You can look at that and say, well, if we would have just figured that out, he would have won. And so that's going to continue. And not, not only do conservatives feel like we won, we feel like they barely beat us even after they cheated. And so this has got some legs on it going forward. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny, too. And I, I appreciate all the work you're doing. And what, what do you think, though? Like, I'm struggling right now with the Republican Party in general, uh, almost acting like, you know, it's just this shock and we're just shocked that they cheated. And, uh, you know, I'm having these conversations and people going, well, I wish we would have done this back then or that. Now, we got seriously involved at the end of the cycle on, you know, the legal battle and all that stuff. But, um, you know, where were these folks that are uh, surprised now? Uh, where were they way back in the beginning of the year when it's obvious they were going to cheat? Uh, did, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, where, I do. How's this do been, I, I how did this happen? They, they, <laughs> right. they knew this was going to happen in 2016 after the election. People already forgot, but there was widespread allegations of cheating even then, right. and they were true allegations. There were a lot of uh, people who came to this country illegally right. uh, to vote, wide caches, uh, numbers of uh, votes that were that were found for these. All kind of reports and things were done for this. They knew coming into this, the GOP that is, that there was going to be uh, widespread cheating. They had said they were going to, to even, they, they were even broadcasting that they were going to use these mail-in ballots and they were warning people early uh, early on that we're not going to know the results. Election night, uh, the New York Times warned everybody, so right. get ready for this. Right. So this was, this was, it was, it was uh, I don't know, telegraphed in the most audacious way possible. And the GOP leaders knew this was happening yeah. and they shrugged and they just blew it off yeah. because... Uh, you know, they, they don't feel, a lot of them, as you guys know better than I do, that Trump is one of them. Right. They still see him as an outsider. They're going to be glad to see he's gone. We saw right. after it was became obvious the election was stolen, a token resistance by only a handful of, uh, of GOP members. And the rest were just basically saying, give up, surrender, as they always do. Uh, you know, the GOP is, in my opinion, a failed party, a dead party. In fact, it's part of the the uni party that we have. We need a second party. We need something to combat uh, the, the the Democrat plus Republicans that uh, seem to be in for us. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think of all the positives I try to find, and I love a bunch of the stuff that Trump did, but he really woke a lot of us up. And you do look at the fact that you know, whatever the actual number was, uh, whether it was 75 million or what, there were a lot of people that still voted for Trump. And these uniparty folks that you're talking about, these kind of deep staters that it was almost like their last, like what you just pointed out, their last, um, you know, ploy to be like, all right, let's get rid of this guy. And I was, I'm the same way. We got done with the election and we jumped right into it. Like, well, okay, how can we fix this? And there's all these Republicans like, well, I don't know. You know, and there's nothing that we can prove. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? There's, there's vote fraud laying around all over the place. And so there's been yeah. so many, <laughs> so many affidavits uh, testifying to cheating that they have witnessed all the problems with the Dominion machines. Yeah. And the best evidence, I think, is the campaign itself. 
Biden hid in his mother's basement for right. months, only right. emerging, you know, every so often to address crowds in the high single digits. <laughs> right. And even when he had the immaculate one himself, Obama, come out and campaign for him, he could only get a few dozen people. That's right. Yet somehow we're supposed to believe that more people voted for, for Biden than they did for Obama. Yeah. which was the biggest groundswell we've seen, uh, you know, in, in, in decades. Yeah. It, it's just not plausible. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, that's a great point. And I had, I started to have a sinking feeling a couple of weeks out from the election thinking, these guys don't even look like they're trying to win. And I thought, well, why is that? <laughs> you know, and the, like, well, I get the, the scale of the cheating was going to be so vast. And, we're, you know, we're this, now we're getting this mail and stuff. And we're, we got a whole uh, project going on over here to try to fix this going forward. Uh, because if we don't fix the election system, you know, and I, you know, we're, we're waiting on the final resort, results of Georgia as you and I are talking. And, uh, yeah, I got a good friend down there and uh, she's totally dialed into Georgia politics and people are discouraged. And, you know, why wouldn't they be if they feel like they're going to go out there and they're just going to get cheated out of their vote? So we definitely have to fix this. Or else we're in the big same trouble. thing happened in Georgia already. We've already seen some of yeah. the guys on our team uh, counting stopped uh, late late last night, and then in the middle of the night we saw these jumps yep. that have become sort of infamous. Uh, yeah. So I mean, we knew this was going to happen. The GOP knew it was going to happen. The Secretary of the State there, the the Governor there. Uh, they have been anti-Trump all the way. I don't think that they lifted a finger to try to stop this. If, if anything, they might have even encouraged some of it. So yeah. uh, they get what they deserve. Yeah, that's right. I keep thinking of the phrase, you know, don't, uh, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. The Democrats are going to a gunfight. We're not even bringing a knife. You know? And I just am like, what? what? We got to step it up big time because they are going to keep doing this more and more because they found their way now and there's no... There's no moral uh, anchor that they're carrying around. They're just going to do whatever they got to do to win. So we just got to step it up. But all right, well, yeah, we could go on for that on, on that topic for a while. But I do want to get to your your book uh, and get you know shift more into the pandemic, which you know this is this stuff is all connected, uh, obviously as we know. But uh, so your book is the the price of panic. Uh, so just talk to us about the the main point you're trying to make about the pandemic and how we handled it. We handled it very very badly in many different states, but not all states. Right. Uh, we get these pandemics, what people don't even remember, we get these pandemics every 10 to 20 years, and somehow this one was treated as if it was the most remarkable, amazing death machine that we've ever seen, and it's just not true. Uh, more people were killed in the 67 uh, Hong Kong flu, about two to four million, the CDC says, worldwide. And in the Asian flu of, uh, of 57, 58, even more people were killed, uh, maybe as many, uh, a little more than 4 million, uh, according to the CDC and the WHO. Now, in the States at the time, uh, we had about, uh, oh, I think it was like 120, 130,000 that were killed. Now, remember, this was at a time when the population was about a third less. So it turns out to be proportionally about the same. But our numbers are worse because of the, uh, the, the so-called solutions mm. to the corona doom, right. the lockdown solutions. This was the dumbest idea that uh, <laughs> right. experts have ever come up with. It's just sure. a stupid idea. Sure. We've never quarantined healthy people before. And what lockdowns do, and you could look at this in the data, it's plain as can be, every single winter, Every single winter in every northern hemisphere country, there's the graphic, you could mm -hmm. see in January, first week or two of January, deaths peak. Every single January without exception. Now, why is that? 
Why is that? That's because we all go inside in our sort of semi-lockdown, semi-voluntary lockdowns because of the winter. We all go inside, we spread these bugs among ourselves, and deaths of all kinds peak every January. So the government decided, you know what we can do? We can lock everybody down. We're only going to let them go out a few hours at a time uh, into these giant stores. Only the giant stores will be allowed to be open. Everybody will congregate all together at the same time. Then they'll go back home and pass these bugs around. So you saw in the places that had the lockdowns did worse than the the places that were allowed to be at liberty. Look at Japan. Everybody talks about Sweden, but look at Japan. Japan had a death rate far lower than any of these Mm -hmm. other countries. They had no lockdowns. They had no mask mandates. Uh, Mask wearing is more customary there, but masks uh, really don't do anything uh, unless they're they're of a very special kind of mask in a very, you know, special setting, surgical setting, but masks in the general public don't do anything. And this, by the way, we have known since 1919. The Spanish flu uh, of 1917, uh, we saw in the United States at that time, a lot of uh, localities instituted mask mandates. And believe it or not, after the pandemic was over, uh, people studied the situation, did these masks do any good? And they came to the conclusion in Science Magazine in uh, 1919, in fact, they helped spread the disease. We've done so many studies over the past hundred years showing this kind of stuff. Cloth masks, in particular, they're terrible. They perform. They they, they have a sort of a vapor barrier that uh, is inside the mask between your between the mask and your face. And what that does is traps incoming uh, particles and viruses and stuff like that. So you kind of rebreathe and circulate them. And masks do harm. Right. And they and they encourage people to engage in behavior that they probably otherwise wouldn't. It's just absurd. we did everything wrong. Yeah, uh, we yeah. Just absolutely did everything wrong from forecasting these uh, the the deadliness of this to the to the lockdowns to the, the now the vaccine. Everything has just been uh, one panic after another. No no sanity, no reason, uh, and people are still dead scared from the nonstop barrage of propaganda. Yeah, I've heard that too. That there's like uh, upwards of ten percent of the population is still stuck in their house all the time, and I'm just like you know. What the heck are we doing? And I, the thing for me is, and I want to ask you about this too, is the compliance piece of just the population. I've just been, you know, as we've grown up over the years, it's like, you know, you know, American independence and we do our own thing here. And then suddenly it's like, everybody do this. And they go, okay, we're doing that. And I, you know, for me personally, I was very defiant. I just was like getting in trouble and everything else. And, you know, me and my wife and I was like, we're not doing it. But I'm just like looking around and everybody, you know, is getting, not everybody, a lot of people were super compliant. So what's your take on how that, why this happened now? And uh, was it just media attention or what else is it? Well, fear is the mind killer. Uh, we could contrast this with the, the most recent pandemic before this was the 2009 swine flu. Mm-hmm. At that time, uh, you know, the internet existed, of course, but there wasn't uh, the reach that it has now, not the global reach. There weren't, uh, in particular, social media was not as big. Uh, Facebook was only a fraction of the size it is now. Twitter was uh, very small. Uh, Snapchat, all WeChat, uh, all of these other things were either not even existent. Uh, Instagram, all those things were either not there or they were very small and they grew very large this time. And so now we had this uh, this idea that the deaths were being reported out of China, not just every uh, week, not just every day, not just every hour, but minute by minute. Right. We saw this, 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 this 
pummeling of headlines. Right, right. And it became so absurd that you could probably still do this. You can go to Google and just type in any three or four digit number. Pick, pick any number you like, 231, 231 deaths, mm -hmm. coronavirus deaths reported. And you'll see a headline come up about this because the news is now sort of largely automated. They have all these feeds from all these places. They self-generate right. these headlines. And so everything was just pumped out there and everybody panicked themselves. And it's even now, you go out and you don't want to wear, you don't wear a mask and people think that because you're not wearing a mask, you absolutely have the disease. You're trying to kill them. I've been called a murderer. <laughs> right. I've been called a demon, a monster. Oh, it, sure. it, we've lost our minds in this thing. Right. And I don't know what we, it takes to, to, to allay this fear, this absolutely irrational fear. But something has to. It can't yeah. go on forever, one That's thinks. Right. Yeah, we'd hope, right? And I think that... You know, there's there's lots of factors like what you just talking about with the with online and the media and and also the media side of this too in an election year. So the question then is, so let's just pretend it's 2012 and Barack Obama is up for re-election. <laughs> you think this would have looked differently? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, this is one of the mistakes our side made, uh, or nominally our side. They said, well, Barack Obama didn't do anything in the swine flu. Well, I say that uh, that's wrong. I think Obama did the swine flu just right. He didn't panic. He didn't do anything unusual. And because of that, it went away as these things do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get these things. I, I can't emphasize it enough. They're entirely typical. We get them every 10 to 20 years. And this one was... Uh, would have probably been like the 57 flu had we not panicked. Right. The panic is adding to deaths. You can go and look at, it's not just <clears throat> the coronavirus deaths when you hear about the, all, mm -hmm. the extra deaths in the year and so forth. No, you look at, there's a huge spike in septic shock deaths in April, huge spike. Now these are what we call iatrogenic deaths. Uh, meaning caused by uh, the doctors and the hospitals. At the very beginning, you probably remember of the panic, there was this idea, everybody had to be intubated. In other words, they had to be uh, a hose stuck in them uh, yeah. from the ventilator. It was just crazy. And this led to a huge number of deaths and, and septic shock. Right. Not only that, but there was all these missed cancers, missed cancer diagnosis, the cancer deaths were up, heart attack deaths were up, mm -hmm. suicides are way up, especially in the young. Yep. So yeah, there's a lot more deaths this year but it's all because of the panic if we did not panic and just treated this in a sober fashion uh, we would have done so much better but it, it, sobriety is off the table in 2020 yeah everybody. yeah how about it and I think that this uh, the mental side of it that you just covered too you know with the younger generation my kids are still you know obviously young and and uh, it's been super hard super hard on everybody these lockdowns and when's this going to end and you get to a place like well it seems like it's looking better and then oh no we got to do this again you know i live in illinois uh it's super hard you know they're just the blue states they're just out of control and and who knows if they're they're locking down maybe just so they can get a federal bail bailout of all the debt that they've incurred i mean there's just like a lot of craziness going on right now and i'm just ready to get past it uh and i think the only thing we got to do is hang in there and i i, I want to ask you in particular too is you know, you talk about these sources and where do we get our information? There's just so many places now and so many places that are basically lying. What would you say to somebody that's trying to find a good, reliable source of, of the, the best information out there? 
Well, I, I publish a weekly update on this stuff at my blog, wmbriggs.com, and I use only CDC data or WHO data mm -hmm. uh, or official data from the ONS, which is the Office of National Statistics in England. I'm not using data from other or disreputable or questionable or sketchy right. sources or something. The plot you showed originally, that's CDC data. Right. That's right from their website. Anybody can just go right to the CDC data and look at themselves, although it takes a bit of getting used to to, to find... Sure. To find where it is and everything, but I have links on my site to, to all this kind of stuff. You can look at it. You can look right there. That's that's the CDC data itself, the plot. And the, the the interesting thing we didn't talk about is that blue line at the bottom. That's flu and pneumonia deaths. Every year in America, every year there's about two hundred thousand flu and pneumonia deaths. Uh, they 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 keep them together because it's often difficult to tell whether the flu killed a person or the pneumonia did. The person contracts mm -hmm. flu. Uh, develops pneumonia and it's the pneumonia that kills them so but what do you put on a death certificate if you have to right. put a it's difficult so the CDC now has given up uh, separately reporting flu and pneumonia deaths about mid this year mid 20 rather mid 2020 uh, they now lump flu and uh, pneumonia and uh, COVID deaths together and they put this as deaths and their, their word is involving COVID mm -hmm. so that COVID is not necessarily the killer but uh, it's one of the things that's in the mix. Yeah. So flu, yeah. flu, you might have heard has gone missing. It's just not there anymore. So right. because obviously we're not with the test for it are, are there, but uh, the tests for COVID take precedence, and yeah. We've, yeah, we've lost our minds in this as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes no sense. Yeah, COVID cured the flu. It's cured heart disease. I mean, there's, all these things are not happening anymore, right? You know, it's like it those deaths are up. Those I know. How about it? I know, but we just the way we're labeling it, just this. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a bizarre thing, and and uh, I'm glad you called out your your website, and we'll get uh, links to that out to all of our viewers and our supporters too, to make sure that they're they're uh, looking at you on the, a weekly basis for sure. So, uh, last thing I want to talk about too. So this uh, you use a phrase. The tyranny of experts, which I totally get. Uh, so you know, this is the state we're in now, and uh, what after the pandemic, you know, like you said, hopefully it'll come to a conclusion. So how else do you think you know this is going to manifest itself in the future? This tyranny of the experts. This is the managerial state we've been warned about. We have these midwit experts who are employed by the government, and once they become ensconced in a government position, their opinions become unquestionable, right. ineffable. Right. Uh, we have to listen to them because they are the, the, the experts in charge. And so scientists, there's lots of them. I'm one of the signers of the Great Barrington Declaration, for instance, yeah, have for come you. out against all of these policies, mm -hmm. but you can't hear from us right. because uh, we're being censored by uh, big tech. Now, big tech has taken on the idea, particularly YouTube and Twitter and so forth, you're not allowed to question the government. That's, of course, a very uh, American virtue of not officially uh, challenging challenging government policy. Anybody who challenges government policy, they get whacked. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely absurd. There's no way uh, to, to come at these guys. We could say, look, Fauci's wrong. He's flip-flopped uh, a dozen times on every single question. His only interest is getting his face in front of a camera. Yeah, but yeah. What, what good does it do? He, he can't be, he, he's not ousted. None of these people making the decisions for us and all of these, uh, you know, lockdowns and so forth. We can't do anything about it. Uh, we tried to do this at the Supreme Court even. And the Supreme Court uh, said, well, we have to defer to the experts. Mm -hmm. And what are the experts? The experts are those who got government positions. And so people outside of government are out. And if you 
question, you're called a denier. Uh, you're not listening to the science. The science has now become a dictate. Uh, and this is not how science used to be done, of course. Where they always used to say science is self-correcting. Now uh, science is irrefutable. Right, absolutely. And yeah, we're looking uh, at a future with more and more of this in it, especially with Biden. And, you know, I think that this is goes you know, to tie back into the election a little bit, too. You know, with Trump, uh, in the whole, in all the federal government, there's only one person that's elected, and it's the guy at, or gal at the top. And you know, there just needs to be a lot more people fired. You know, day in and day out, they need to fire all these people as soon as they start doing this. They go off script, or you know, they get off the, what the president wants. They need to go. But like Fauci and these guys, they've learned how to co-op the media and get them all on their side. So then you're right. If, if you if you go against them, then all you get labeled all these things. But, uh, you know, that's another thing that Trump was fighting the whole time. It was hard to watch. Yeah, that's it. I, they're, I, they're, you're right. The solution is to fire them, uh, not be f afraid of the media. That was Trump's uh, lesson to us all from 2016 yeah. and late in 2020 during the election. The hell with the media. That's right. Don't listen to them. That's They're just right. weasels for the most part. These guys, all they want to do is push propaganda yeah. most of the time. And there's just no point in being frightened of them. Yeah. They're trying to kowtow. Nothing is gained by it whatsoever. That's right. So just ignore them. That's right. Just go on and do the thing, right? You got elected, make it happen. So, well, William, I appreciate all your work and uh, appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, hope to have you back at some point. Anytime. Awesome. Thanks so much. Well, all right. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget, working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. So until next time, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash first right or text first right to 1-312-820-9167.